0: From my perspective, um, it's the way they look, it's the way they sound. Um, I mean, when someone shows up to the door uh, and they're clean, they're crisp, they have a smile on their face. I mean, you know that. You know, obviously, we're talking about you know the transfer of enthusiasm, and you know it, it goes so far just to light up when they answer the door. The professional end of things that I see, you know, when we go past just the the visual appeal of it. Uh, is a heart of wanting what's best for the client.
1: Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as
0: it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a
1: never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian
0: Burton and Nate Minnick.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. I am Brian. And we are here to talk to you today about a new topic the Transfer of Enthusiasm. We have a special guest with us today. Jamie Melliner comes to us as an electrician with Mr. Sparky Electric in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And we are excited to bring him on the show. Uh, what we'll be talking about is the transfer of enthusiasm. Well, what we really mean there is that's a definition from Brian Tracy uh, regarding what sales is. Yeah, the best definition of selling
2: that I've ever heard. And the first time I heard it, I think it was like 2004 Uh, 2005 when I started listening to his audio tapes literally cassette tapes pretty religiously um, in my work truck I I was I wasn't focusing all that much but I just heard him say um, selling is nothing more than a transfer of enthusiasm and it and that stuck with me I think I wrote that down somewhere
1: and I've probably said it once a week since yeah, it's so good. And if you haven't listened to part one of this podcast, Brian and I actually break down that topic even a little bit further. Farther, excuse me. But what we wanted to do today is bring on a guest with practical experience of transferring that enthusiasm. Uh, Jamie, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad good. to be here.
1: Great to have you, buddy.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I just want to kind of read this pedigree for our listeners. So in 2020, the uh, the numbers are in, and across the nation. You went with electrical panels sold by an electrician, February number four, March number one, April number two, May number two, June number one, July number five, probably a reporting error there, I'm guessing. August number one, <laughs> September number one, October number one, November number one, and December is not in yet, but uh, pretty good guess it'll be number one. That is incredible, man.
2: And yeah. that will and I mo- appreciate that. Yeah. That will more than likely put him at number one for panel sales in 2020. Um, he kind of switched roles a little bit in 2019, uh, but in 2018, he was number one in panel sales in the yeah. nation.
0: Yeah, it's been
1: it's been a good few years. It's been a lot of fun that is some serious transfer of enthusiasm if there ever has been. I mean, that's just incredible. I really kudos to you for doing that. Absolutely.
2: And Jamie's MO is enthusiasm. And I don't mean just in the in the client's home. Um, I mean, in this building, in the parking lot, if you see him at the gas station, he's ultra enthusiastic, <clears throat> almost to the point of annoying sometimes. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, why is this guy so heavy all the time? Uh, he's always enthusiastic. He He's an absolute professional he he shows up to the home warm friendly confident uh chatty and and enthusiastic and if you get him talking about you know a, a new panel or a whole home surge protector in out at the dumpster of the shop he instantly lights up he loves what he does he loves the stuff he sells his clients love him he's got some of the highest customer ratings we've ever seen for a person in the field. And also some of the biggest revenue numbers we've ever seen, which actually do tend to go hand in hand. If you're a professional salesperson, you should be doing both.
1: Man, there's so much of that, Brian, that I just really want to jump into. But I feel we need to give the listeners a little bit of a background with Jamie and how you got into the trades. That's one of the things we like to do with our guests. So why don't you start us off? I mean, what brought you into the electrical industry? And then how did you get to Mr. Sparky?
0: Yeah. I, yeah. It's, uh, it's been an interesting road. Um, kind of through high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, knew I had an interest in electrical just through some classes that I had taken and, I uh, got an opportunity out of high school to work for an electrical contractor doing commercial work. Uh, so solar, um, new construction of industrial type stuff.
1: Ooh. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: I quickly found out that it was not the place for me. Um, just the atmosphere there. Um, you were ready for the weekend just to get away from the guys um, You know that I was working with. And that could have just been where I was. But um, from there, I went back to school um, working towards electrical engineering. Quickly found out that that also wasn't uh, kind of up my alley, sitting behind a desk, um, just kind of punching on the computer numbers. Uh, I'm a people person. I like interacting with people. And so when I got an opportunity to come here, um, it was something that I jumped all over. Uh, when I first started here, it was actually in the heating and air conditioning, because uh, they had no electrical room for me. Uh, quickly, that kind of changed. And yeah, so I've been with Mr. Sparky now about seven years. The spring will be seven years. Um, wow. okay. And it's been, it's been the best seven years for my family. Um, yeah, I'm incredibly thankful for it. But have always enjoyed the interactions with people. Um, the electrical at this point is really just a means to do that. So, I mean, really interesting background there with you kind of
1: choosing you know multiple options and then redirecting. I mean, what even got you into electricity in the first place? I mean, you, you came out of high school and you know what what started you with the sparky stuff? I mean,
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, I had taken you know some of the you know CAD classes, some of you know the engineering classes in high school. Um, there was just something about the way that electricity just worked that, I don't know, it spiked an in interest. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, Friend of the family uh, owned an electrical company. And so I got that opportunity to at least get my feet wet before, you know, I decided to spend any money on school or anything like that. I wanted to kind of like dial in maybe an interest. Um And through that, I just realized that like, hey, this kind of clicks. Um Yeah, that just... I don't know. I think I almost kind of fell into it. I mean, I've always been, you know, kind of into hands-on stuff. Um, and it was just a, it was an in that I had that I took and it ended up just kind of developing and going from there.
1: Well, if this is what it looks like for you to fall into things, I mm-hmm. would hate to see what it looks like for you to <laughs> intentionally walk through. The well, door. You're killing well, it, bro.
0: Well, falling into electrical, yes. Uh, the intention comes in when we start dealing with you know, my pursuit of being better uh, at what something that I enjoy uh, and especially pursuing, you know, just learning how people interact. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, yes, I fell into the electric end of things. I don't do this for the electrical work uh, at this point anymore. I do it for the customer interactions. Um, that's yeah, that's everything to me.
1: Yeah, that's a really good segue. So, I mean, the, the topic, as mentioned before, is the transfer of, of enthusiasm And I mean, we'll be straight up, we are talking about selling a product or a service to a customer. That is exactly what we were talking about. And the reason that we use the topic, the transfer of enthusiasm, is because that, so so many times people get this this idea in their head that selling is bad, Mm. when in reality, nothing in this world moves forward without a sale. Yeah, not at all. If you have to put gas in your car, somebody made a sale. If you have to buy a car, somebody made a sale. If you are eating food in your hands or on your table right now, somebody made a sale. That is, that is, bar none, the biggest piece of our economy is always sales all across the board. And so you somehow figure out a way to do that in the electrical industry while keeping customers happy at the same time. And I think a lot of people are just kind of... Uh, they can't. They can't fathom that. So, why don't you start off with your definition of sales? What does that mean to
0: you? Uh, I think the quickest and easiest answer is options. Um, you know, you don't think of being sold when you go to the grocery store and pick something up off, you know, the the shelves that's there. Uh, but in reality, that's the grocery store selling to you. Uh, it doesn't feel like it because you're going and you're picking something that you want. Um, I believe that's what I do. Uh, you know, I, I show people what we have on our shelves. Uh, yes, that's a conversation with them versus them just visually picking it off the shelf. But um, I don't, yeah, I've never very, really viewed sales as like ram it down their throat or like them buying something that they don't need. Like that's gimmicky, um, you know? And so I've always viewed it as options. You, you present them options of something that they, I'm sure they don't even know about. Uh, and at the end of the day, you let them pick, and sometimes that's you know they pick nothing, and at the end of the day, that's okay. Um, but a lot of times, they're excited about the stuff.
1: The grocery store uh, analogy is actually pretty interesting, uh, because I don't think anybody goes to the local grocery store and says, oh, you know, put the put the guards up. I, I can't I can't go in here because I'm going to walk out with too much food. I mean. We, yeah, you know, we willingly walk into the grocery store and often willingly walk out with more than we had planned, at least that's my experience. Sorry, Sarah. yeah, <laughs> that's right. and they and they strategically place those groceries to to get you to
2: see the stuff they think you'll want to buy the most. So it's a um, there's a lot of planning that goes into the shelving in a grocery store and, and when one grocery store chain does it a little bit better and gets things figured out and starts selling more of certain profitable items, other grocery stores find out and start changing things around, which is why they all tend to look similar, but see them 15 years ago and they looked completely different.
1: And that is exactly why the milk section is always in the back far corner of the store.
2: Yep. Nice long walk to get there to see all the other products, but we don't have a showroom. We don't have shelves where clients can see everything we have to offer. The only thing we can do is, is present those options, is talk about those things, is learn about them and get well-versed in them. And then tell people about them and have yourself a, a high-end Super Bowl commercial presentation around that product, which is what Jamie does, versus a, you know, daytime talk show commercial presentation, which is what more of the inexperienced or unprofessional salespeople do. Um, and so often, Jamie, like everybody who's at the top of their game, uh, you'll hear people take pot shots at him, not directly, obviously, but of course, behind their backs um, and say that they have to be doing something wrong well i've heard that about jamie but i've personally seen him sell, and and always been impressed by the professionalism and the detail that he goes into while keeping it simple and using analogies and um, not using a lot of jargon and really getting customers enthusiastic about the product or service he's talking about um, jamie's a super bowl commercial presentation and you know the the bottom of the list the bottom of the rankings or the newest guys have you know kind of 1 a.m radio commercials they're not very well thought out they're not um pieced together they're not written out certainly they're just it's just kind of whatever falls out of the the technician's mouth um and what we do here what we try to do here more than anything is number one to help guys see selling as a a um not a detriment to society, but it but an honorable profession. And then number two, if they can get there to help them turn their presentation into a Super Bowl commercial. And uh, Jamie, I don't think you'd never sold anything before you came here, right, Jamie?
0: Uh, a little bit. Um, I had been involved with a company that can be relatively controversial. Um, you know, marketing end of things. Um, and. Really, I, I had not succeeded at that at all. Uh found that it's not for me, but it had at least taught me to talk to people a little bit more. Taught um, you that you like to talk to people? It, yeah. Um, you know, and, and Brian, you made an interesting comment about, you know, some of these guys that when they start here, they sound like that midnight commercial. And, you know, I feel like that was me. Um, you know, it like we all start somewhere, um, but the training that we have here, if like if you choose to listen to what's being recommended to you, the opportunity is huge to grow and improve. Um, you know, And that's where you take things to the next level of professionalism if you want it. Um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good road.
1: So if you could, for our listeners, describe the difference between the professional salesperson and the unprofessional
0: salesperson. Start with the unprofessional one. What does he look like? Uh, to me, he looks like gimmicks and tricks. Um, you know, the type of dude that like you literally feel is just greasy. Um, you know, that to me, that's what, you know, the, the bad salesman kind of looks like, feels like, uh, has really no interest in getting to know his clients. Um, all, all that is there is, uh, you know, we're going to get this sale and I'm never going to think about you again. Um, yeah.
1: And what type of, uh, phrases or you know, dialogue comes from the unprofessional. Mm. Uh,
0: In the electrical world, um, I would say the word fire. Um, You know, someone trying to scare somebody saying their house is burning down or... um, Yeah, the whole whole
1: sales by fear concept, right?
0: Yeah, Uh, and don't get me wrong, there is a point where there are dangerous situations, uh, but there's a professional way of talking about that without like inciting the, my house is gonna burn down. Um, I mean, I've been doing electrical about 10 years now, um, and I can only think of truly one time where I told that to a client, and that's because the panel was writing over 200 degrees. I couldn't even touch it <laughs> in Jeez. a mobile home. Oh, um, wow. You know, that, that was to the situation where literally we turned power off and had them sign a waiver. That's not common. Um, you know, the, so, you know, with that end of things, it's just, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a gimmicky type thing
2: there's a there's a a good reason for that um i w- I would also add that the, there are two two forms of an unprofessional salesperson one is the greasy kind of slime ball salesperson the other one is just somebody who has not had training yet mm. yeah. um and that is that is what jamie was when he got here to me he was he was very enthusiastic he was already uh extremely friendly um knowledgeable about electrical and had all the had all the uh, enthusiasm in the world to go out and, and sell stuff when uh, Aaron Buckwalter and I started training him. But he'd just not been trained yet. So he wasn't greasy. He wasn't uh, doing anything wrong. He just didn't have all the tools in his tool belt. I know Sparkies like to use tool belts um, to get the job done. And through training, he became an, an ultimate professional. Um, but the reason that, that people will naturally fall towards fear of loss is, um, and I believe it was in the psychology of selling audio book. I listened to so many times by Brian Tracy. Um, he said that the fear of loss is two and a half times as powerful as the desire for gain. So Mm -hmm. when I was selling in a plumbing truck, I I rarely was selling, um, like, replace your water heater before it leaks. Although, I, obviously, if I saw a reason for concern, I would bring it up. But the thing I liked to sell the most was water treatment. That was my number one thing to sell because I wanted, um, I don't know, for back of a, lack of a better word, I didn't, I didn't want to use the cheat code. I wanted to get really, really good at selling as hard as that road would be. So if it's, you know, two and a half times as, as difficult... To sell from a desire of gain, that's what I wanted to do. So I like to go for elective stuff, a little bit tougher stuff to sell. But when you sell that kind of stuff and walk away with with a signed invoice and a job well done, the, your ratings and reviews just skyrocket. Like People are so pleased when you do something like that for them, Again, like water treatment. Um, but, but the main reason you'll see a lot of guys sell from fear of loss is
1: it's, it's the
2: easiest way to do it.
1: So let's dig into the opposite of that then Jamie what does the professional salesperson look like and what are some things that they say from my
0: perspective um, it's the way they look it's the way they sound um, I mean when someone shows up to the door uh, and they're clean they're crisp they have a smile on their face I mean you know the You know, obviously we're talking about, you know, the transfer of enthusiasm and, you know, it it goes so far just to light up when they answer the door to to smile. As simple as that sounds, Um, you know, it it makes you relatable, um, you know, and the professional end of things that I see, you know, when we go past just the the visual appeal of it uh, is a heart of wanting what's best for the client. Um, and, you know, so the way that you get there is through conversation, um, just an open dialogue with them as to, you know, what you can do for them and how you can best help them.
1: Yeah. And so I think a lot of people have this stereotypical image of the used car salesperson in their mind, wearing the suit, you know, with the white bleached Mm -hmm. teeth and the the super gelled hair and all that. I mean, you know, they, they, to some degree look, they smile, they, they look uh, professional, but where, where's the difference happen?
0: Uh, I would say the difference is going to happen with their intention. I mean, you know, and I I think that's something that most people, I I would like to think that most people can see through. Uh, They can feel the intention of why you're there and what you're looking to do. I mean, yes, they might visually look that, you know, clean, you know, like in a suit type thing. Um, But there's just, there's a tonality. There's there's a feel to that conversation, disingenuine. They just, you're there for a number. Um, so how do you
1: how do you train that or how do you learn that? I mean, we could certainly take somebody, dress them up in the whitest uniform that mm-hmm. we have with the, you know, crease, creases in the pants and all those types of things. And it, it would look really good. And they could still flop when they get to the door, when they get inside to the table. I mean, yeah. how do you actually learn not to not to be that yeah. disingenuous salesperson
0: yeah the easiest thing that I can tell you guys is to to read books or listen to audiobooks I mean there's an absolute wealth of knowledge out there um, that you know I've chosen to listen to um, I mean we've got a, a crew here you know of leaders that are always giving suggestions of things that you can listen to or, or read um, and it really starts with that in my opinion um, it's not a switch that you're gonna flip uh, and just immediately be able to do that Um, it it will take conscious effort of changing not only you know how you act and walk but like your perception on what you're doing Um, and that starts I think with incremental steps and to me the first step is listening to something to help improve that and there's there's tons of books out there um, you know on communication alone um, just mentalities that that you guys can listen to. Yeah, and I think some people naturally resist that
1: or or intentionally resist that and say, I'm, mm. I'm not going to become one of those guys, you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be the sales guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you do to overcome that in your mind? Uh,
0: the grocery store reference. <laughs> I mean, you know, Brian, I, I'm 90% sure that it was Brian that had told that to me for the very first time. He used it as an analogy, and it was just kind of like an awakening, like, in my mind, just a different perspective. Uh, It's something that I've kind of clung on to um, because it's true. I mean, it, what we're doing as much as it is sales, yes, but it is truly giving options. Um, And that's the way that I've chosen to look at this. Um, You know, we give high value priced options and we let the clients decide, Um, you know, so what, for me that, for me, that was the changing point. Um, that just that perspective, right?
1: And those options are really the difference between being sold mm. and buying,
0: right? Oh yeah. Can you can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So being sold, you feel or someone feels that they have no choices, they have no options. You know, let's say you walk in, they they've lost power to their home because of a bad panel or a service, and you just throw a number at them and say, "This is what you need to do." Um, that they don't have like, they literally are just like, yes or no. Uh, where with options, what that does, um, one in my mind is it takes the pressure off of me. You know, um, it, it gives a client something that they can choose to buy. I mean, we have, you know, some very, very high end extras options. Uh, and there are clients that absolutely love that. And there are some that don't. Um, you know, I feel like it's a complete disservice not to at least give somebody the option to choose what they want. Uh, it's a much better feeling. It's a much better taste in their mouth when you walk out that door, if they chose a package versus them just saying, this is yes or no, and we've got to pick.
1: So speaking of taste, I mean, take that back to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. What does it look like if I'm being sold at the grocery store versus me buying?
0: Yeah, uh that, that's a good question. I mean, I would say if you walk in and there is, I mean, as simple as just, you know, the brand of cereal, I mean, if there was one cereal there, that's what they're selling you. They're literally selling you, you know, special K or whatever you would, whatever they would choose. Where when you go to the cereal aisle, I mean, how many different kinds are there? I mean, right. A hundred. Right. Exactly. So, you know, yes, you're going to the cereal aisle and Technically yes they are selling that to you but when you walk out of that store you didn't feel like you were forced into something.
1: Right and that's that's the critical part of the difference between the professional and the unprofessional salesperson, the difference between yourself and many other you know people in the home services industry who feel like oh yep, yeah, you know this is what they absolutely need. Yeah. And they've made that determination in their own mind whereas whose job is it really to make that determination? It's the client, right? So yeah. help us understand, you know, how do you pull yourself out of it? Because you are you are the electrician, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that you have in your mind, this is what I would do. Yeah. But how do you remove yourself from that part of the equation? Uh,
0: I think you do and you don't. Uh, I mean, there is a point to where you have to add your personal experiences and what you would do to a point. Um, you know, cause obviously they are relying on you as the professional, um, you know, you're the one there that they're choosing to trust, uh, or maybe not choosing to trust. I mean, that's something for you to build. It's a whole different topic. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, removing yourself from it. I, I think the easiest way that I can see it, you know, is between my wife and myself, my father, and myself, and we all buy for different reasons. Um, you know, the car that I choose to drive, I'm sure Nate is very different than what you might choose or what Brian might choose. Um, you know, so who am I to stand in the way of saying, oh, you have to drive a Ford or a Chevy if you really want something different. Um, and I I think there is a point where it does become natural, but it doesn't start there. Like you need to like literally force yourself to say, I'm not this person. I, I mean, they may want something that I do not. Um, and I think the, the key there is want versus need. Um, you know, I think there's very few instances where somebody needs something like it's life or death. Um, most of the time it's, it's a want, maybe a should do. Um, but that teeters more on a want, um, you know, don't get me wrong. There's code things that, you know, we can argue about that are needs. Um, but at the end of the day, most of the time, if they're not doing it, their house isn't burning down. And, and obviously, that's sure. something I'm saying here that we don't talk about with the client. Um, but that's the difference between a need and a want. Right. Um, and I think, you know, if you take the perspective that when you're offering something that it's not a need, but it's something that they may want, it, it's, a, it's a mindset shift. Uh, and that's something that you kind of have to work yourself into. And that's where education comes into mm-hmm. it, right? So what does it look like to educate the client on Yeah, the difference between a want and a need. Yeah. Um, It uh, it takes a conversation. Uh, It takes, I mean, obviously, as you guys have talked on this podcast already about bonding and rapport. um, I mean, I think so much of this plays into that as well, um, that, you know, as you've built that bonding and rapport, you know, they understand that you're there to help them, you know, see what they might not have seen before. Um, And so... Yeah, there are some hard conversations where you might have to clearly express that like they need something. Um, but at the end of the day, if they don't want it, or they don't trust you, it's not happening anyways. Sure. Um,
1: yeah. So what about some practical examples? I mean, obviously, you're seeing you know dozens of clients every week. Uh, what does it look like in the field for you to either remove yourself from the equation? Or can you tell us about a time when somebody purchased something that you thought uh, they weren't going to go for or, or you know just any really good examples of what that professional salesperson looks like.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I had one two days ago, I believe it was, a client. It was a first time client for Mr. Sparky. Uh, he's been a, a client of one hour for a while now. So it was the first time I was out there. We were there to just do a routine maintenance. Uh, and first step in the door, you know, obviously, the guy, He was pleasant, Um, you know, so as we sat down, we sat in the living room, uh, just kind of walking him through what he could expect out of me there uh, that day um, and got talking to him. And, you know, he was very forward with the fact that uh, he was an electrical engineer and that he had hand built his own home. Uh, He did all of the electric, he did all of the plumbing, he did all of the HVAC. So a a do-it-yourself guy? Very much so. Uh, And not only when we take a look at a do-it-yourself guy, uh, being an engineer that can carry a stigma. um, And, you know, so he's definitely, he's into the code. He tends to know those type of things. Um, And From my experiences, most of the time, those do-it-yourself guys or the the guys that have an immense wealth of knowledge, they tend to push back pretty hard uh, if there's something that we're recommending. Um, Because either one, they don't already have it and they feel that they have everything that they've already, they've done the research on what they want or, or whatever reason. And so You know, as we went through the home, he was telling me he had personally replaced his panel for a second time after, Um, you know, he had done it initially. And that's because he had gotten water into it. And so he led me down to his panel. And like I would say, most of the do-it-yourselfer guys that we run into, he stuck with me the entire time. It wasn't like, hey, you know, here's the panel, kind of do your thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, He was over my shoulder the entire time. And I've always kind of welcomed that. I mean, if someone even shows any remote interest in what I'm doing kind of excites me. That's another way that we can talk and build some rapport. Absolutely. Um, you know, so it's not something I've shied away from, but as we were going through it, I very quickly realized that I was going to be recommending replacing his panel um, uh, for a, a number of reasons. Um, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous um, just because dealing with that type of personality, that that background that he had I was expecting a lot of pushback. Um, And so, you know, he asked what I thought as I was kind of going through and I was just up front with him. Said, you know, this is the perspective of why I would recommend this. Uh, Explained that I'm sure, you know, he will probably do it himself. Kind of gave him, you know, that out that like, hey, like you've already told me you've done this. Right. That's Um, the
1: exit door at the grocery store, right?
0: uh, Right. Exactly. Um, You know, I, I told him before we even talked about pricing that like, hey, like, you're going to be able to do this cheaper than what I can. Um, and he kind of laughed at me. He's like, I'm in my 60s. I don't want to touch this stuff anymore. Um, you know, at that point, the this dialogue started on what it would cost. Uh, we kind of went from there. So it was one that was unexpected. It, it was kind of out of the norm. Um, and I was definitely a little nervous talking about it. But something you kind of got to learn to work yourself through and just present the options.
1: Yeah. That's so good. Now, I mean, envision yourself, uh, seven years ago, mm. having that conversation, you yeah. know, as a self-admitted unprofessional at that point, yep. what would, what would you have been doing in that conversation?
0: Well, I mean, I would have said out of ignorance, I would have just blurted to him that this thing needs to go and he needs to do it. Uh, I doubt that I would have even had any of that rapport built to begin with, um, which goes so far, uh, on your credibility alone. Um, But think it back, I might not have even offered it, Uh, you know, had he been up front with that, um, you know, early on in my career after I've had a couple of those bad experiences where, you know, I got thrown out of the door from somebody like that, um, you know, because I tried, you know, saying something that they didn't like uh, without any rapport being built. Um, Yeah, so I might not have even offered it when it was something that would have added value and benefit to his home. And not only that, I mean, with a DIY guy, you're probably like, if you're thinking
1: that, that direction, you're like, uh, this guy's not going to even want to entertain this idea. So I'm not even going to bring it up. And it just kind of spirals from there.
0: Yeah. You got to get out of your own way. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you lose everything that you didn't offer. Um, you know, it, there is a point to stepping back and saying, you know if they say no, it's not personal. Um, you know it's it's to the products, it's to the options. Um, they're not saying that they hate me as a person or you know and that's hard to not internalize. Um, here we go again. Uh, that comes from one experiences and true pursuing you know some education with that.
1: Well, let's talk about that experience. I mean that seems pretty relevant here. How do you? How do you protect yourself from taking that personally?
0: Yeah. Um, a, a large part of that uh, that I can say is at least, you know, through through trainings that we've had here, uh, you know, we have a great staff that does help to educate us on that. Um, but, you know, I think it, it boils down to pursuing those educations, those books. As As weird as that sounds, as it, you know— it does go so far to giving you different perspectives that you haven't otherwise seen. Um, and removing your, and separating, um, you know, as Matt has, Buckwater has talked about your identity versus your role. Um, you know, who I am as a person is very different than what I am here as far as the, the role that I am playing, uh, in this company or with this client.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Um, let's talk about this transfer of enthusiasm. Yeah. So, uh, what does that look like? I mean, that seems like a fancy phrase that somebody made up, and it sounds good. But wh- what does that actually mean to you?
0: Uh, to me, what it means is is excitement. It means relationship. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that I listen to uh, almost weekly uh, is a short little three minute clip from uh, Andy Andrews, uh, and it talks about choosing to be happy. Um, you know, just the simple fact of that, like, and that's a choice that you need to make. You're not always going to feel in the best of moods. Uh, and he goes on to, he relates it to, you know, his wife and his dog and how, you know, he realized that his wife, you know, responded so awesome to it, their dog every time that she walked into the room and was rubbing his ears. And, you know, he's a funny guy. I, I, I get a kick out of some of the stuff that he says, um, so he t- will tell this way better than what I will. But um, what he started to realize was that the dog treats his wife better than what he treats his wife. And in the fact of when his wife walks into the room, the dog's tail's wag. It's like, oh, you know, I'm so excited to see you. And he realized that his responses were, hey, or maybe never even look up. Um, and he goes on to say that when he chose to like, when his wife walked into the room to light up, you know, to smile, Um, the responses that he got back from his wife were astounding. Uh, And I think that's something that can apply to every interaction that we have uh, with the client, Uh, that transfer of enthusiasm that we're talking about, you personally choosing to be happy can be contagious, Um, just like you being grumpy or sad or whatever. Um, So when you're in the home, one, showing an interest in the client as part of the bonding and rapport uh, that you guys have talked about before, but... Uh, especially it's like when you're talking about something just the fact of choosing to be happy and smile changes your tone it changes your body language um and that's something that is truly felt by people
2: and i'll say one thing about jamie whether it's in this building or we go out to eat together or you know out at the out at the dumpster cleaning his truck out jamie's tail is always wagging no question about it um Jamie always makes you feel like he's happy and excited to see you. And I don't just mean his his uh, managers. I mean, when Jamie sees the shop techs, the part runners out in the parking lot, they get the same greeting as the owner of the company or his his best client.
1: Yeah, and certainly that, that example by Andy Andrews, who's an extremely gifted speaker and motivator, yeah. um, is really important. But is that all that it is? I mean, is it just showing up Being being happy at the client's home? What about enthusiasm for what you're actually presenting? Do you have to, do you have to be excited about
0: breakers? Do you have to be excited about receptacles? Um, I, I would say yes and no. Uh, I mean, not everybody's going to have the love for that type of stuff that maybe I do, um, but you can be excited about you know options for the client. You know, I mean. How excited do I get, you know, when I'm looking at pursuing buying maybe a new car that like is not out of need. It's out of something that I want, um, you know, that I tell my friends about there. There is a there is a route, I would say, that you do have to believe in what you're doing uh, without a question of a doubt. Uh, You need to believe that what you're offering is a benefit. Now, whether it's a benefit that you would choose to do yourself or not. Well, that's a different story. Um, you know, the clients may choose to do it for their own reasons, um, but yeah, I think there is a level of you know having to be excited about what you're doing, um, and that can be that can be learned through um, either your own personal experiences or through talking from a tech that has been in homes a lot and has seen clients that absolutely love what we're offering. Um, There's so many experiences that you can draw on. I would say talk to the experienced guys. Um, You know that, I mean, the amount of times that I've been in homes and have been back to clients' homes after we've done work and they were just enthusiastic about what they got. Um, So not only can you draw on your own excitement from that, but you can draw on the positive experiences that previous clients have had. Um, And we're lucky enough to have a, a wealth of those clients that, We've been able to see that have been clients of ours forever and love what we do and offer.
1: Hey, really good stuff, Jamie. Uh, appreciate your perspective, uh, your experience. You've definitely validated the stuff that you're talking about. You've proved it out in the field. This isn't just theory anymore. You've seen what it does. You've seen what it looks like. And you've seen tons and tons of happy clients on the end of this conversation who purchased something yeah. um, that, you, that you offered to them. <clears throat> um, I, so just kind of like summarizing there, I, I think you, you started off by saying that it's really critical to educate yourself, to become well-versed in communication, to understand what it means to have a conversation with somebody in front of you. It's also really important to um, stay happy, to keep a cheery attitude, uh, not only, you know, at the front of the door, but at the table, at the back end of the call as well. Um, and it's also really important to Um, be professional with the client in such a way that you are presenting things to them that could be a benefit to them um, and allowing them to choose whether they think that is the case or whether they think that it's not and then you give them the freedom and the luxury to be able to say yes or no and and not just yes or no but yes to this one or yes to this one or yes to this one or no altogether right yep yeah really good stuff um, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Jamie. We can't let you go without doing our rapid-fire five questions. All so, right.
0: well, I appreciate being here. Thank you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. All right. Uh, we want to get it started here. Um, question number one, if you could meet any historical figure, who would it be and why?
0: Oh, man. Um, I think I would say my grandpa in his 20s to 30s. Yeah. Um, what that man was thrown into with his father passing, uh, taking over a family business uh, and growing it from a little fruit market to what it is today. I don't know that his work ethic, his drive. I don't know. I think that would be interesting to see what he was like and what he went through.
1: Yeah. Those types of um, family heritage stories of overcoming are always really cool. Yeah. I think I would probably go with, um, like, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, the amount of stress that he, he endured with just the, the country tearing itself apart. And, I mean, in a lot of ways, our political climate continues to escalate and things like that, and to understand yeah. that you know, the country was literally at war then, and how did he process through that and what was important for him? Well, that's a tough one. Um, one thing I always liked to do when I was in a
2: plumbing truck whether it was here or Michigan or Las Vegas is <clears throat> I would, I would talk to people who were, you know, 90, 95 years old, um, when I'd be at their house working and I would love to sit at the kitchen table with them and ask them, you know, what was it like at the end of world war II? I just love to get their perspective, um, on what we consider history, uh, that they actually lived through. Um, and then, you know, compare it to life now. Now, I haven't been in a truck in almost a decade, but back when I was doing that, certainly in the late 90s, it, it would be really cool to hear somebody who had a vivid memory of that time um, and compare it to what they see now. So historic, historical figure, I'm not sure I'd, I'd go back that far into history, but I would certainly just love to hear the uh, perspective of somebody who's, who's seen you know something something similar to what we're seeing now in a in a different
1: um if not decade maybe even century all right a lighter one for you here mm-hmm. what is your guilty pleasure song or guilty pleasure artist like if if nobody's watching you at home and you turn on a song, what's that one gonna be?
0: Well, I think the right answer is Brian Tracy, since uh, <laughs> Brian Burton's in the room. But uh, <laughs> that's right. uh, yeah, that's I, an audio book. Yeah, like. I know, right? Uh, I, I can't say that I have one. Nothing. Uh, got nothing. I don't know. I've never been one that like gets all wrapped up about you know uh, a singer or a, an athlete. Um, there's so much that I enjoy that like. I don't know. I tend to take things like that at just like a, I mean, hey, if there's something on the radio and it sounds good, all right, cool. All right. All yeah, right. Playing it sorry. close to the vest. I'm yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm guessing th- it was so horrific. There's no way we <laughs> can make it public. <laughs> like, no, That's I another perspective that. to take on this. <laughs> was it Cindy
1: Lauper or Britney Spears? <laughs> One or the other. Oh yeah. Speaking of that, I'm going to go with either Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. So give me a boy band Okay. every once in a while. Wow. (laughs) Okay. That clears a lot of
2: stuff. up. Appreciate that knowledge. Uh, I was actually, uh, my, my three-year-old is, uh, notoriously world renowned for being, um, somebody who does not like her teeth brushed. Uh, she's actually pretty famous for it in her three years of life. Um, and it's become my job. My wife just throws her hands up now and, and says, don't forget to brush Claire's teeth. So that's my job now. Um, and there are two ways I've found that I can get her to do it pretty easily. One is to let her brush my teeth at the same time, which, um, it can be fun, but a lot of, you know, I have an electric toothbrush and a lot of times she's just banging it into my teeth and gums. <laughs> it just doesn't feel great. So if we
1: ever, if we ever breach the, uh, video cast world, we're, we're doing a subject on that.
2: I, I actually have a picture of it. I can show you guys. <laughs> Maybe we can throw it up on the website. Nice. Um, but she, uh. She'll do that. Sometimes that's not enough for her, so if I get some music going that we both enjoy, she'll she'll just dance with me while I brush her teeth. And uh, was it last week, it was what I would consider a guilty pleasure song because it, it was played every Friday night at the roller skating oh, arena. Nice. Where I, I can't I, wait. <laughs> where I grew up roller skating back in I don't know, 1989 or whatever it was, and that was My Sharona by... Uh, oh, Yeah. I'm trying to think of who the uh, what the band the knack
1: I think. Yes, the knack. Yeah, that was that's a fun song. I was just dancing to it last week, so that would be mine. All, All right. right, Jamie. I know you're a Star Wars fan, so if uh, if they recast any character in the entire Star Wars, um, what is it called? Universe. World universe. There universe. it is. Yeah. They recast any oh, of the, them, and the uh, you year. got okay, the casting we'll go. call. Who are you? Uh, who are you going to be?
0: Oh. The first two that come to mind, I, I would say, would be Luke or Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably lean more towards Obi-Wan. I was figuring Job at the Hut, but. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we would go with Boba Fett. But, I know. know. That but, was going to be mine. So, Boba Fett okay. for me. Yeah. Um, I'm
2: not a huge Star Wars fan. So, uh, Princess Leia? It should be no surprise. <laughs> We have their mirrors around, so it should be, <laughs> it should be no surprise
1: that uh, I would most definitely be the Mandalorian. There we go. It's like fair. that. All right. Um, you're also a hunter, yes? Yes, I am. All right. Uh, money's no object. What mm-hmm. is the trophy you're going for?
0: Yeah. Uh, elk. Uh, I mean, I got an opportunity a year and a half ago uh, to go on an elk hunt. Uh, wasn't able to you know successfully take any game um i don't know i just think i think it's a cool animal um i think they're they're majestic i think you know listening to them bugle uh would be really like i don't know i yeah i'd say elk which isn't some crazy pipe dream either Uh, i mean it is definitely something that's doable um but that is one that i would really enjoy
1: nice i'm not a hunter myself but i do appreciate the rockies and i think uh taking down a big horn sheep or something like that surrounded by just cliffs and snow and all that would be pretty amazing.
0: Those are, those are tough hunts. I mean, that they're, they're a lot of work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That sounds really cold to me. Um,
2: if money's no object, I'm probably going to go pretty pipe dream here. Uh, I don't know. Great, a great white shark.
1: Is that a thing? I don't. I don't know that people hunt for this.
2: Uh, I bet for the right price it is. And you said money's no object. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, some kind of scuba gear. Uh, I'm sorry like, for know. limiting your options with yeah. my own.
1: From reality. <laughs> yeah, <for> sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one, Jamie. We like to sentimentalize it up a little bit here. So, end of your life. What you have children? Yes, you have mm-hmm. two. I do, uh, uh,
0: and one on the way. And one on the way. Congrats, man. Thank you.
1: What is the What is the one thing you want to make sure that your children know before? you step out of this world?
0: Yeah, Uh, that's a good question. Uh, And it's actually a pretty easy one. Uh, I want them to know a work ethic. Um, You know, there's so much in life that that can do for for them. Um, You know, of course, I want them to know that I love them, but something that I want them to, you know, know and actually be a part of who they are is a good work ethic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's so critical and important in, in today's day and age. Mm, I think uh, it goes so far lacking yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. lacking uh for me yeah i mean um i i would there's no greater joy that a father can have that his children are pursuing Christ, and so um there's no possible greater message that I could leave with them that that is the most important thing absolutely i would I would yeah. first say the gospel, but I don't want to step on Nate's
2: answer um if it's just something that I can personally teach them um and it, and I know it sounds cliche but I, I really want them to know that they can learn or become anything um, with with practice and baby steps um, that's why right now my oldest two my 15 and 12 year old are in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu um, and it was tough to get my, my daughter uh, the 15 year old on board because she just walked in and knew nothing about it and she's you know she's too big to be in the kids class there's nobody her size so she's in there with grown ups and there's a you know white belt is is what you get for walking in the door and then everything from there is it takes a long time and a lot of hard work and she's just looking at a bunch of blue belts brown belts and a couple black belts and she she hated it and i had to get her to persevere and you know we all play video games at the house from time to time and i the the uh, analogy i used to get her involved was i said you know, remember the first time you played Mario Kart? It was a complete disaster, and Mom and I just pounded on you. And all of a sudden, you learned how to throw the banana peel behind you when we were getting close, or the you know the red shell when you needed a heat-seeking missile, or the green shell when somebody's right in front of you. Oh, taking me back, bro. Yeah, awesome. yeah, well, you don't have to go back. They they still make <laughs> that true. game for new systems. <laughs> um, and and she she understood the analogy, still didn't love the idea, but I mean, as as of last night last night's class um so they do they do a an hour class instructor-led class and then they have open mat for an hour where you just practice the moves learned today and they go pretty hard um I I was trying to get her out of there after about 45 minutes of open mat and she was as as every night now begging me to stay until the very last minute um so I want I want my kids to learn from me that they can learn or become anything no matter where they're starting. They just have to um, seriously commit to it and say, this is where I am now. This is where I want to be. Here are the steps that are going to get me there. Now let's go find a mentor.
1: Yeah, good stuff, guys. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for being on the podcast with us today, Jamie. Uh, we wish you well and 2021 as you continue to knock it out of the park.
0: Thank you. Uh, you're yeah. definitely
1: already demonstrating that. As for the rest of you, uh, thanks for listening in. We want to encourage you with these podcasts um, and remind you that uh, if you like what you hear, there's opportunity for you to join our teams. Uh, We're always looking for good electricians, plumbers, HVAC, service techs, install techs. Uh, We'd love to have you. So let us know. Find us at WastenoDay.com. Find us on Facebook. Hit us up and uh, tell us why you think you would like to come learn more about transferring of enthusiasm. As for this podcast, we want to encourage you to not waste your days wishing for more. We want to remind you that there is a way to not settle. There is a way to be encouraged. There is a place that exists of people who will drive you further and challenge you to do better. And we want to always remind you to waste no day. This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania Branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.